Uh, if you're brand new, welcome to Awakening. This isn't the way we always start, uh, but thrilled to have you. My name's Ryan, uh, and we're in part two of a series called Unnoticed Grace, What's True of You That You Never Knew. And we, we started last week with this question. I really encourage you to go back, and you can go listen to the very first week, because it really lays the foundation for this entire series. And I don't have time to cover it all, but we, but we asked this question question is like, have you ever had a moment in your life where someone saw something in you that, that you couldn't see in yourself? Something, someone saw something true in you that you never saw in yourself, that, that as a result, it, it impacted the direction of your life. It might have been a coach, it might have been, you know, a close friend or a mentor, a parent, a teacher, uh, it, but, it, but it had one of those moments where that relationship changed, the trajectory of that relationship forever altered, or, or that career path changed, and you look back and go, I'm so thankful they said that because I never saw that in myself, uh, but as a result, your life's changed. And we're actually taking uh, the next few weeks to ask that question because I believe there's, there's some realities that God sees in you. Some truths that the creator who made you says, this is true of you. And as a result, it it gives you absolute clarity for life. It gives you absolute clarity on taking next steps. It gives you absolute clarity about who you are and what you're made to do when we begin to embrace those things that are true of us. And we're just looking at that, and over the next few weeks, we're talking about five core areas that are absolutely true of you, perhaps that you never knew. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, this idea of being adopted into the family of God, that this is true of you. Uh, Then the following week, we're actually going to spend some time, and we've just talked a little bit on this. We can't help but kind of break out in praise and just go, we're going to spend a moment just worshiping, going, God, you have made this true of us, and we can't help but contain uh, or can't contain our love for you, and we're just going to worship you. And, And then the following week, we're going to talk about what does it mean to be redeemed, to be forgiven. And then the following week after that, uh, the next week, I guess the following, following week, there you go, uh, is not moved from redeemed to then this idea of being sealed, uh, that there's a sense of permanence. Uh, in In a world where we lack permanence, in a world where we have such uncertainty, in a world where, you know, your job can go away and relationships seem to deteriorate, we bring that into our relationship with God, and he says, no, 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 there is a sense of permanence that is so true about our relationship, and you don't want to miss it, that you're sealed with the Spirit of God. And then we're going to close with one, my favorite one. <laughs> is, can you have a favorite? Is that okay? I don't know. Uh, but my favorite one is that you're empowered. That, that, that you're not just left to do this life on your own to figure it out, but the, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead as followers of Jesus lives inside of us and that we are empowered to live out a brand new life. What's true of you that you never knew. And, and we started with this big foundational statement, if you remember. It's really a phrase, and uh, I don't have time to unpack it all. It's in its abbreviated form so that you could really remember it, uh, but it makes no sense if you don't get the whole story. And, and, and the phrase is simply this, for, not from, as a result, from, not for. If you weren't here last week, you're going like, wow, that must have been 
confusing. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, but this is what's true of you that you may have never known that for not from, that you have a God who's fundamentally for you, that he's not against you, uh, that he's fundamentally for you, and, and that he doesn't necessarily need or want something from you, that you have a God who says when he looks at you as a good parent does, I am so for you. And so the things that I bring into your life, the things that I hold from your life are for your good, for, not from. You have a God who's for you. As a result, we live, we live from a place of blessing, not for Blessing. See, as followers of Jesus, we don't do good things to be blessed. We are blessed, and so we do good things. We live from a place of blessing. We live from approval, not for approval. We live from acceptance, not for acceptance. This is the foundational truth of grace, that you have a God who is for you, and as a result, you live from blessing. You don't have to earn it anymore. And then the, we're spending these five weeks to unpack this one phrase in the ways that the Apostle Paul, as we're studying in the book of Ephesians, says, wow, when I talk about that for, from reality, I can't help but basically break out in a song of praise of this is what's true of you. All right, you caught up? You with me? Okay, good. Now, this morning, we're diving in into the, into the area of chosen. And as you heard in the video, the idea of chosen. And I, you know, I talked about my glasses, so I don't know when to put them on anymore in reading. So if I get a little confused between all this and you see that, because I actually like to look at you not between lenses. I like to see you just like this. But when I get over to my notes, I actually like to see my notes. Uh, so I'll figure out how to you know, work that out. But we're talking about chosen. Uh, the, my, um, let's see, my fourth grade year was an, a really hard year for me. Uh, I, I moved uh, between uh, the summer, the summer between my third and fourth grade year. Uh, I was born in Dallas, Texas. Go Cowboys. Thank you. I knew I was waiting for you. I was waiting for you. I knew you were here, Sean. Um, yeah, God's team. Thank you very much. Okay. 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 Sorry. Sorry. But I was born in Dallas, Texas, lived in a rural town called Kaufman, more cows than people, one stop sign town, eventually got a Dairy Queen. Woo! That was an incredible day for our community. And between that summer, we moved from rural Texas to Santa Cruz, California. Now, now we moved to, a, I left all my friends behind, a place that I love dearly, had a new place, had a new home, entered a really new culture, you know, and so I show up the first day of school as this hick, I'm like, hey y'all, no one in California says y'all, um, and that's the only way I thought I could talk was by y'all. I'm like, how y'all doing? You know, and it's like, no, thank you very much. And so I remember the first day on the playground. 
And fourth year, fourth grade year was just overall really hard year, this big transition. But I remember the first day on the playground, and we went out, and there's a baseball diamond, and I love baseball, and, and, and everybody's picking teams to play baseball. And maybe you've experienced this. You ever had that where, where I don't know who got chose or how they got chose to be the captains, but they did some sort of popularity or, you know, testosterone, like, you know, fourth grade machismo thing going on there. I don't know. But, but you have have one guy and another guy, they're choosing teams, and I'm the hick in cool Santa Cruz, California, fourth grader, outsider, and I watched as we're standing on this line, and you know, they're going, I'll, I'll pick Dustin, or I'll pick Steve, or I'll pick, you know, Scott, and it gets down, and I'm still standing there, and one other guy, and he had one final choice. And he picked the other guy. And in that moment, it wasn't that I was chosen for a team. I just was chosen not for that team. So the other guy was left with no choice. I was on his team. And I remember that moment marked me so. Because here's the, when we're talking about being chosen, here's what's at stake when we're talking about being chosen. When you're chosen, you have a sense of being accepted. When you're chosen, you you feel approved, you feel worthy, you feel like you belong, that you're valued, that you're validated. And then when we're not chosen, you feel overlooked. You feel left out, you feel not good enough, you feel unwanted, you feel like a failure or a reject. And I stood there, first day of school, no friends in the world, and I was unchosen, the unchosen one on the team. And I decided in that moment, I decided in that moment I wouldn't let that happen again. That I'd do whatever it takes to make sure that I was either the guy choosing the teams or I was good enough that they would always choose me. That I would be the first chosen ever since that day and this competitive drive that some of you have seen on the basketball court was born, I think, in that moment. See, see, we have some natural reactions to choosing and unchoosing. We, 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 we all respond to it. I, I think one, one of our, our, our deep insecurities are born out of being not chosen. We, we either respond like, uh, like I did, I don't need you, or I'm going to prove you wrong. Or on the flip side, I'm unchosen, that I wasn't chosen, I, I somehow got to get your approval. I, I, I can't live without you. I mean, this is how deep it went in me, and maybe, maybe you're not quite as messed up as me, and I hope not, I hope not. But I remember in high school, this, this, I would never think about it this way. But I remember in high school specifically locating myself in such a way that my friends had to come and choose to be with me because I wanted to be the one in control and choosing ever since. And we experience this all the time. And for many, we walked in and you feel, whether chosen or unchosen, you've experienced this feeling. Whether it's being passed over for a job or maybe you're trying to make the band and you didn't make the band and uh, maybe it's a promotion or on Facebook. My goodness, we get this all the time with Facebook, right? Because you get a, like a, 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 
It used to be you didn't know all the time when you weren't chosen, when you weren't invited. Remember this? And now you get on Facebook and you go, oh, I thought we were friends. I thought we were, I, I thought we were better friends than that, but apparently they were chosen to be at that party. They were chosen to be at that event. I didn't know about it, but I get to see that I was unchosen by their Instagram, Facebook, tweet posts, and I sit feeling dejected and alone, and we feel that with relationships. Oh my goodness, the minute you put yourself out to actually put on, you know, hey, will you choose me? And you, you ask someone to date, and it's this incredible, intense, vulnerable moment. And, and whether we realize it or not, much of our identity is wrapped up in this idea of being chosen or not chosen. And I believe this is actually why God's first indicative, his first thing that's true of you. Now, the book of Ephesians we're studying is broken up into two main sections. It's the indicative, first three chapters, all what indicate what's true of you, and then the imperative, chapter four on. How do you live out this new life that's true of you? And his first indicative of what's true of you It's just simple truth. You have been chosen by God. You you know, if you're lined up on the baseball diamond and you're standing there, there, you're not left unchosen. He says, I choose you. If If you're trying to make the band, he says, I choose you. He's like, I got a party coming. And he's like, you're invited. The God of the universe looks at you. Think about this. Because if it's true, much of our identity is wrapped up around this concept of being chosen or unchosen. It makes perfect sense why God would then look at you and go, hey, by the way, by the way, you just need to know if it's from, not for, from blessing, not for blessing, the from starts with my choosing of you. And this is the way the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 4. He says, for he, speaking of God, chose us in him, that's Jesus, and now it tells us when he chose us. He, he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Before you had a chance to blow it, before you had a chance to earn it, before you had a chance to do anything at all, God says, I chose you. You can't earn my choosing and you can't lose my choosing because it happened far before you did anything at all. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy, that means set apart, pure, and blameless in his sight. Now, I want to hit on this real quick, but I can't stay here long because this would be a whole sermon in its, of itself. But some, like your immediate mind goes, you know what, that whole from, not for, or, you know, God's for you, but he doesn't want something from you. Yeah. Hey, that's, isn't that what God wants from me? Isn't that what he wants from me, to be holy? He wants me to be holy. He wants me to be blameless. And I'd argue, I'd argue, I'd argue, no. That's what God wants for you. That's what he has for you. Don't you want to live a life blameless? Think about this. This is free from guilt. 
Don't you want to live a guilt-free life? Don't you want to live a life that, that you don't look back and is filled with regrets, that you have a free, uh, regret-free life, that you don't look back and go, no, 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 it's, that's what blameless is. It's, it's free of shame, that you don't look back on a past moment, a past decision, and you just go, oh, my goodness, I can't believe. See, we, we misunderstand this as like, God, a perfect heavenly father, what he wants for you. And some people, when they talk about their kids, what I want for them is to be happy. By the way, by the way, God wants that for you too. He says, in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. See, but here's what he knows because he designed you, because he made you. He wants for you. If you pursue happiness at its core, at its end, in its self-serving way, you'll never be happy and you'll experience guilt and shame and pain. But if you go, okay, you're my creator, and you created me. I want to live life the way you created me. That's all it means to be holy. I want to live life the way you created me. It says you'll experience happiness. That's what God wants I wish I could unpack that. Well, maybe we'll do it at another time because some of you don't even believe me right now. Okay, hang on. We're going to go here. I wasn't planning on it. I was getting serious, so I put on my glasses. See, I don't know when to do that. Okay, can we get to the Ten Commandments real quick? And then I got to move on because we got some like cool stuff to journey. Think about the Ten Commandments. Let's just take a few of them. Okay. Thou shall not murder. Yeah, we're using the old King James version right there. Isn't life better? Isn't society better if we don't murder each other? Wouldn't you be more happy if you weren't murdered? <laughs> Thou shalt not steal. Isn't life better? Isn't life uh, fundamentally more secure? Could you imagine a world where you didn't have to lock your doors because it was safe, because we had this ethic of holiness and we knew that we weren't going to steal from one another? Wouldn't that be a better world to live in? Come on, come on, come on. Okay, so, 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 when we see this, at fundamentally at the heart of God, these commands are for our good. Okay, 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 moving on. All right, you're with me now. I, you just weren't there. I knew you just didn't have it yet, and that's okay. We had to get there. All right, let's move on to chosen. Let's move on to chosen, because to unpack this, and just even in Alicia's story, we got to answer some, some big questions, because immediately when you hear, you have been chosen by God, we have to wrestle with some deep theological questions, and we're going to go down some really, I, I like it, I, but I like theology, some, some intricate theological um, realm. So some of you just, you just need to buckle up um, and get ready. Here we go. Here's two questions we have to ask when we're talking about being chosen by God. First question is, do I have a choice in it all? Do I really have a choice? And you can state the question uh, maybe another way, or how is God in control? You know, you have been chosen. He said, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Well, did I have a choice in it all? How is God in control? I want to give you three, uh, three uh, different perspectives, three views on God's sovereignty and human free 
will. And, and the first two are, are what I believe very extreme views uh, in and, and how we understand God's sovereignty and human free will. The first view uh, sacrifices human free will at the expense of God's sovereignty. That God is so sovereign that man has or woman has no free will. And let me give you the word picture. All these have a word picture to them. That God is sovereign like Shakespeare is to Hamlet. God is sovereign like Shakespeare is the Hamlet, that, that he's actually scripted all of life. You know, in the story in Hamlet, we read it, and to be honest, I can't bring up a whole lot of it. I haven't studied it since high school. Uh, but, but Shakespeare just penned all that. Did, did the, the people that we read about, did they have any choice in it at all? No. Shakespeare was just simply writing out exactly what would happen in everybody's response. The first view sacrifices human free will at the expense of God's sovereignty. And so as a result, if you ask that question, do I have a choice in it all? The answer is no. God chose for you and you have no choice. Now then we got to ask some big questions. We'll ask them with all these. Well, well then why pray? I mean, I mean, if it's already predetermined, if it's already been set out, if, if everything we've done is already scripted, I mean, God chose in this view that I'd wear black socks and you no shoes. Okay. <laughs> I would have made a different choice. <laughs> Why share the gospel if it's already scripted out? In fact, I remember I was in uh, my classes at Moody. My dad one, uh, one time was the keynote speaker for Spiritual Emphasis Week, and I was taking a Romans class, and I had uh, this view is shared by what's known as hyper-Calvinists, very, the very extreme side of Calvinism. Uh, and I had a teacher that landed in that camp, and, and he's expressing this thought, and he said, does anyone have a problem with this? And it's an evening class, and I'm sitting next to my dad. It's one of those, you know, four-hour three-hour classes, I can't remember, and he's sitting in the class with me, and I just see him, like, and he goes, yeah, yeah, I do. I'm like, oh, Lord, Dad, no. <laughs> no, don't talk. And they, for another 10 minutes, get into this conversation about human free will and God's sovereignty, and then my, after we took a break, my dad said, okay, I'm just going to step out for now. Um, but he heard that question from a student. It's like, I don't need to, sh right next to him, sitting, and my dad heard, and the reason he spoke up, I don't need to share my faith anymore. Well, yeah, if it's all scripted out. See, see when we try to define it all and explain it all, we actually diminish God in it all. The third view, or second view, I guess we're on, is actually human free will at the expense of God's sovereignty. So you have God's sovereignty at the expense of human free will, then you have human free will at the expense of God's sovereignty. And this is like the president is to the United States. Now, it is election time, and I'm not making a comment on our president. That is not the point here. It's just how our country works. That is, that is, we are fundamentally free to do whatever, whenever, and when's the last time that the president has interfered with your life? I mean, some of you are like going, well, actually, you know, <laughs> tax time is one of those interference times and uh, some of those sort of things. You have free choice 
but God has limited influence. And if the first view is that it's all God and it's all scripted, the second view is it's all you. It's all on you, by the way. The weight of the world is on you. Evangelism, yes, the question of evangelism, it's on you. Prayer, yeah, pray, but, but it, he's not going to be able to do much. Kind of a distant God from a way that, ooh, you know, I'd like to, but uh, you know what, I, I have Congress and I have other different parts that kind of oh, tie in my hands. First view, like Shakespeare is to Hamlet. Second view, like the president is to the United States. And the third view uh, is, embraces a dynamic tension. God's sovereignty and human free will. In fact, up into the first 400 years of the church, the early church fathers just simply embraced this truth. God is sovereign. Humans have freedom to choose. It's interesting, though, because we try to define it, and we try to answer, well, how does that look like, and how does that play out? And, and yet, no, don't simply go, okay, you know what, there's, is there room for mystery? Do we have a God who's big enough, who's sovereign enough to allow humanity to have free will? Could God, in his sovereignty, give free will, free choice to us? Uh, the picture, A.W. Tozer gives this picture. He says it's like a captain is to an ocean liner. And I would just argue that this is, this is an incomplete, not a perfect picture, but it's the best I know of, of explaining this idea of do we have a choice in it all. And, and the thought is, like a captain starts out in the port on a big, massive ocean liner, which you guys have seen, they're like cities on the water, and sets a course directionally towards an end that God is like a captain with all of history and sets a course directionally to the end and is directing all of history towards one final conclusion because we got to get to, okay, there is revelation. There is stuff happening where God's agency, God's sovereignty is at work, and yet the Bible continues to affirm that we have freedom to choose. And his picture, like a captain to an ocean liner, is that as we, along, as we are carried along towards the ultimate ends of what God has planned for all of humankind, that we have absolute freedom within that ship. Now, I, I think it's a decent unpacking of do I have a choice in it all and how is God really in control? But I, I do want to make this statement. The reality is, is this is an area that I just got to confess mystery. The reality is, is this is an area where I simply got to go, I, I don't know. I've studied this. In fact, because of the first few, I almost walked away from Christianity because if that is what Christianity teaches, ultimately God then has to be the author of evil because he scripted it all. So I've wrestled deeply, profoundly with this. And what we do in Christian circles is this, and take note if you would. We often debate each other in circles, in areas with others. And there's a place for debate, institutions, the educational environment. But, but note that debate is for winning. I would invite us as a community, we want to be deep thinkers. We want to be theologically sound. We want to think accurately about who God is, who we are. Would you move from a debate to a dialogue? Debating is fundamentally about winning and being right. 
A dialogue is about understanding. And where you'd go, okay, I, I want to move towards understanding. And, and by the way, we have some great Christian brothers who land in all three of those camps and where we'd say, hey, at, at the end of the day, do we still believe Jesus is Lord, that God chose you and loves you and died for you, then let's agree on what we can agree and move forward for the sake of the gospel. And we actually approach with humility and mystery rather than pride and arrogance. So do I have a choice in it all? Three fundamental views. The second question you gotta ask after this is not just do I have a choice in it all, but you know, God who chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Now think about this, think about this. Did I choose God or did God choose me? Did, did I choose God or, or did God choose me? In junior high, eighth grade year, I found out that Vanessa Gonzalez had a crush on me. And... Um, and I remember my friends going, oh, Ryan, Vanessa has a crush on you. I was like, okay, cool. So I wrote one of those classic letters. <laughs> Dear Vanessa, would you like to date? Check yes. <laughs> Check no. I don't think I had a maybe. I don't remember. Um, now, we dated as any junior hire did, which meant nothing. In fact, I was out last night, um, and I saw this one couple. They were all dressed up for something. She had a bow on her wrist, and he had this. And then I see that his parents are driving them around. I'm like, that's still not a date. I know that. I mean, you're going to eat. And so in junior high, you don't really date. It just means that the, everyone goes, whoo, you know. And, and then you kind of give each other's, like, looks at, on the playground, right? and you go do your thing, you know. That, that's all it meant. But, but I kind of look back on that and go, well, did I choose Vanessa or did Vanessa choose me? I, I don't know. I heard that she liked me first, and so as a result, I responded to her liking with a note that said, would you like to date? Yes, no, and I thankfully wasn't held to whatever a date meant because we never went on an actual date. It just was a school class thing. Now, the question for you, did you choose God or did God choose you? two views on this, and it's, we talk about the term election. It's used in the Bible, elect, and I'm not talking about the presidential election, though it has some connection. We elect a president. We choose a president. We decide. One view is the view of individual election, that, that God chooses some people and as a result doesn't choose other people. So let's, we'll just go down the line. Choose you, choose you, choose you, choose you. Sorry not chosen, kind of like me standing at the baseball field, and you didn't get chosen, so you go over there. That's what individual election is. Uh, and yet, we see actually in Scripture, when it's not in regards to salvation, you see God making an individual selection. You, you see that with David. He chose a man after his own heart. You see that even with Abraham. It, and it wasn't for salvation, but for a purpose that through Abraham and his descendants, check this out, they would be a blessing to all nations. So you have individual election. Then you have another concept called corporate election. Corporate election is uh, my best understanding of what the Apostle Paul is speaking about here. Corporate election is where instead of saying, okay, I pick you, 
And if I don't pick you, then basically I didn't pick you. you. I chose you not to be chosen. So you're, you're like a double unchosen. You're not just unchosen. You're chosen not to be chosen. To where God says, okay, you know what? Before the foundation of the world, I chose the church in Christ. I chose Jesus. And those who are found in him, the invitation is extended to all. And if you choose in return, you step into the community of God. You are chosen corporately to be a part of the community of God. Jesus. Check out how Paul says it in Ephesians 1, 11 through 13. Now, now what you need to know about this is, is verse 3 to verse 14 is one sentence in the Greek. He's in one same flow of thought. Yeah, that's one long run-on sentence. For those of you who are in an English class, that would not be okay. We actually get two paragraphs in our English translation out of this one Greek sentence. Now he says, in him, circle that. That means in Christ. That's locationally where we're found. And then he says, we. You notice that at the beginning he said us, and he's talking about the plural of the church. And he says we, and he's speaking specifically of the Jews. We are also chosen, having been predestined, another word to say chosen or elect, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who are the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Now the Jewish people thought of themselves specifically as the chosen people of God. They forgot about Abraham's call to be a blessing to all the nations, and through him uh, and through his offspring, they would bless the entire world. They just lived in the reality of, we just want to be his special chosen. That's what happens, is pride creeps in when you feel like you're chosen over other people. You just begin to go, I'm chosen, and you're not, and I'm good with that. That's where the Jews were, and so Paul's saying, hey, hey, we Jews, uh, we, we're the first that got the gospel. We're the first that heard about this. Now, notice how he follows this up. And you, speaking to Gentiles, speaking to those who were considered to be unchosen, and you also were included in Christ. Now, look at this. How were they included? How were they a part of God's choosing? When you heard the message of truth, Someone shared the good news, the gospel, your salvations. First, they had to hear. Second, they had to respond. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When you heard, when you believed. See, I, I, I just want to affirm what Scripture says and not go any further than that. I think we get in trouble when we try to go further than that. God chose you. And you have the choice to choose them too. That's what the Bible teaches. God chose you. And you have the choice to choose them too. That's, that's the totality of what the scripture teaches. And we can try to figure out and explain it. And at some point I just got to go, it's a mystery. I'm giving you my best understanding after years and years of research and wrestling. But God chose you. And you have the choice to choose him too. Uh, recently, I was, uh, had a wedding invitation show up in the mail. And, um, and it's interesting getting this invitation. I began to think about this, uh, this concept. I, I got this invitation, and this couple had thought of me and my wife long before we thought about them to invite us to their wedding. 
They said, we choose you out of a limited amount of people on planet Earth that we want you. I'm like, wow, that's very sweet of you. And yet at the same time, I had to look at that same little thing, similar like the junior high note. It says, will you attend? Mark, yes. Mark, no. And I checked, yes. See, God says, I believe to the human race, to us, I chose you. Before the creation of the world in Christ Jesus, because of what he's done, you get a chance to step into life. I chose you. And you have the choice to choose him too. There's an invitation. It says yes or no. And for some this morning, I I just simply want to read a... uh, a prayer from Revelations 3.20. It's really uh, an invitation of Jesus. And it's written to a church that's called lukewarm. And Jesus says this. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. And for some, you've been searching and you've been living your identity out of this choosing and wanting to be chosen, looking for approval. Maybe you said to the world, you know what, I'm going to prove myself and I don't need you and I'm going to be my self-made woman or self-made man. And others, you've been trying to earn the approval of others, and the approval of God. And honestly, you, you just, you're just kind of riding the fence and you're lukewarm, and today you just simply need, you're a follower of Jesus. You, you believe, you've put your faith in him, and you just need to go, okay, God, I choose you. I choose you. I, I'm choosing you today. I need you. You chose me. That is secure, and I am choosing you back. And for some, you've never started a relationship with the God of the universe. And you're here and you've heard about it and you didn't know that God thought so much about you, that he's for you, that he chooses you. He's for you so much and he chose you that he sent his son to die in your place that we might have a relationship with God, that we might step into who we were made to be. And you would say today, I, God, I, I want to choose you in return. W- would you take a moment and just simply pray with me? And I want to invite some response, invite the band to come on up. But, but let's just pray together right now. And if you're in a place where you're going, you know, I've been going through the motions as a, as a follower. My identity's been wrapped up in, in, in maybe proven that I'm better, proven that I'm worth it, proven that I'm valued. And today you just go, you know what, I, I, I choose the God who's chosen me. I choose the God who's chosen me. And then you're in a place where you go, okay, God, I believe you want something for me. And if you're here as a follower of Jesus and you're right there, and as we're just, uh, would you just raise your hand and just let me know if you're like, man, I, I want to move and just do life a little bit differently. 
cool. Very cool. Anybody else? Cool. 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 And I just invite you, yeah, keep going. You can keep raising as we're talking, as we're praying. I'd invite you that oftentimes it's like how Jesus said, give us today our daily bread, that it's a daily prayer of, God, you've chosen me, and so I choose you in return. In fact, for me, it's, a, it's oftentimes a, uh, a morning thing where I daily choose him, and I go, God, I choose, I submit my mind to you. May I have the mind of Christ. I submit my eyes to you. May I only look upon what's pure and beautiful. I submit my words to you. May they bring honor and glory and uplifting to people. May I submit my heart. May I be a man after your heart. Submit my hands to you. May I, may I build others up and work and build your kingdom. I submit my feet. And I would encourage you today as this first step of choosing the God who chose you. And it's a daily step. And bring your identity back in alignment that you would walk afresh and go, okay, I've been chosen by God. I don't have to earn others' approval. I already have it. And for others this morning, just maybe you're here and you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've been trying to earn. You've been trying to prove. You've been there. If you're here and you want to start a relationship, you want to go, I want to choose the God who's chosen me. Could you just raise your hand? And I'd love to be able to pray for you. If you're here and you're in that spot, let me just pray this prayer, and there's nothing magical about it but where you would say, God, I had no idea that you were for me. That you loved me so much that you chose me. I I don't understand it all, but today I want to give my life to you. I believe Jesus, that he died, that he not just died for all the wrong that I've ever done, just kept me broken inside and broken with others and broken with you, but that he also came back to life, defeating sin and death and Satan. He came back to life that I might step into a new life. So would you come in and give me a new life? I give you my old life. Scripture teaches that you step into the community of the chosen. You mark yes on the invitation. We're going to continue in worship and a response and um, for some, this is a response where you've made a, a, a decision with Jesus. And I'd encourage you, maybe even on a blue card, that you would write it down. And, and you would just begin to, as, we're going to pass the buckets in a second. And it's just a worshipful response of that you could, whether you stepped into new life with Jesus or maybe you said, oh, today, you know what, I've been in that lukewarm stage. I'm going to begin to choose afresh the God who chooses me. And you can just drop that into the buckets as we sing. And maybe you just need some time. 
you need some time and you just get over in the prayer section and you just begin to have a heart conversation with God. God, I pray. I pray for my friends and the men and women before me that you would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation that they may know the hope to which you've called them the riches of your glorious inheritance and the incomparable great power for those of us who believe. God, would you awaken our hearts to your wonder, to your love, to your grace. In Jesus' name.